Ja, ja, denk dran! Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Building bridges. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're good to go. Welcome to Building Bridges. I'm Sebi. I'm Jan. And I'm Dave. And this is a Eurovision podcast for the rest of us. So, first of all, why is there another Eurovision podcast? Why are we here? Basically, we're just three friends from three different countries having fun. And maybe you can join us on this journey. So we're borrowing, cough, cough, a motto from an older Eurovision, which we think fits this podcast quite well. We're not just building bridges amongst countries. We're building bridges between themes and the history of Eurovision. And we're going to play some games along the way as well and hopefully build some bridges to you out there listening. The most important thing for us is that you have fun with us and you enjoy this little nonsense on our way to to where, Sebi? <laughs> to everywhere. <laughs> So why is it a Eurovision podcast for the rest of us? I would say each of us might not be the typical podcast host, not the typical Eurovision fan. Uh, two of us aren't English native speakers, as you may have already figured. And one of us is not even from a Eurovision country. Um, so why not start by introducing ourselves? Um, I don't know, Dave, would you maybe like to start? Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, so I'm Shocker. I'm the non-European <laughs> from a non-Eurovision competing country, although we wait for Christo Bjorkman to move his ass and get Eurovision Canada going. So I found Eurovision literally the day after Conchita won in 2014. It made the news over here. And I've studied in Europe many times, and I'd maybe heard of Eurovision before, but didn't quite know what it was. So I went to YouTube. And someone had uploaded the full contest, and I watched it, and I was hooked. And here we are, what, eight years later? And I found you two knuckleheads, and now we're starting a podcast. Yeah, it's incredible how a competition like that can bring people together. Combine my love of music and maps and geography and politics and languages. Yeah, it's the ideal contest. I don't know why it's not more popular over here. So I'm Jan, I'm, I'm coming from Slovenia. I'm always saying that I'm lucky um, that I live in Europe, that I was somehow always like surrounded by, by Eurovision since forever, basically. And I somehow first met Eurovision around 20, 21 years ago. One of the biggest acts Slovenia ever, in my opinion, sent to Eurovision Song Contest, Sestra, when they went to Estonia and they brought this whole new idea to the Eurovision stage was kind of the most interesting moment for me and and it's it's taking ever since and let's say Eurovision was always an evening in May which was reserved for that like the whole family you know having all the scoreboards and putting points for the favorite song and so on and for me it was also 2014 one of the biggest years in kind of you know Eurovision world. I, I went to Eurovision for the first time in Denmark. I saw the whole thing live. And yeah, as, as Dave said, like uh, love at the first sight, basically. And here we are talking about probably our favorite <laughs> thing in the whole wide world. And I'm Sebi. I'm from Austria. 
And I basically discovered Eurovision through, um, well, it's quite of a funny story because I heard some Eurovision songs on the radio here and I didn't know that they were Eurovision. And then in 2010, Lena was just really popular with Satellite. Like it was a huge hit in Austria as well. And one day I was told that she competed in this song festival type of thingy. And then I decided not watching it that year because I wanted to get up early for the flea market. For what? (laughs) (laughs) I definitely had my priorities set back then. (laughs) Definitely. And then I was told Lena won, okay, whatever. And, you know, suddenly Austria was really into Eurovision again because Germany won. They're like our rival country like our big brother and we wanted to win it as well (laughs) and that's how we returned to Eurovision and then I followed that national final which was won by Nadine Baila and I watched the 2011 contest in Düsseldorf and I was mesmerized like I watched that goddamn show on YouTube like 500 times And then that's how I got into it. I started researching all the contests. I think I was like 10 years old by then. And I had watched like even the black and white eras of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm I'm now really just like thinking about your age and putting one plus one. One, how how did you watch like 2011, like, which is like more than 10 years ago. And I was like, were you even allowed to use a computer? Oh yeah, he was using diapers back then. (laughs) much like that. And for someone for your age, what's your favorite Eurovision song again, Sebi? Uh, my favorite Eurovision song is Tied by Saskia and Serge, which will probably not be... Anybody else's. <laughs> uh, it's from 1971. Also, my favorite Eurovision decade is probably the 1970s. I somehow, like, it was all long before I was born, but somehow I just... Uh, connect these years with my childhood as well because I just started discovering Eurovision through all the clips and all the contests I found on YouTube. Yeah, I did. I did the same thing. So after Conchita, I went back and watched Malmö and Baku and Dusseldorf and so forth and so forth. And 2011, actually, another bridge between us was the first one you binged. Mm-hmm. Going back, I know it's not a popular Eurofan opinion, but it's my favorite to watch. I just love the 2011 show so much. Yeah, I mean, how did Kathy Wolf do so poorly? I don't get it. What's wrong with you Europeans? It was the live performance. <laughs> yeah, I know. But still. <laughs> no, but it's, it's quite interesting now when you say it. Like, I remember when I, when, when I tried to get deeply into the, the contest, like, we don't talk about, like, you know, this kind of, I would say... Um, those patriotic kind of way, but like in a way of pretty much, you know, trying to discover the whole situation. I remember being stuck, you know, in front of a computer and just like searching for the songs from different decades as well and, and just comparing it from what show looked like, I don't know, on the stage in, I don't know, Athens and then just comparing it from the show when it was still black and white in the 60s and also again going 70s, 80s, etc. And it was nice way to see how the contest itself, it, it's still, you know, evolving through through all the period of more than 60 years. 
Um, and, and yeah, that's quite, quite an interesting one. Yeah. So we hope to bring you some, I guess, neutral, unbiased opinions and commentary. Very neutral. Yes. From one person who is from a country that doesn't compete and to others from countries that, well, let's face it, recently haven't done overly well in the contest and often can laugh at their own entries. Well, Austria did pretty much better. You're than not Austrian. You are not Austrian. No, no, no. You, I'm talking about Sebi anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. You can't, you can't claim Pia as your own. You just can't. No. Yeah. yeah. We just have to say that Jan is really obsessed with Pia Maria. At the end of the day, uh, Dave is not really a Spotify user. I don't know if that's a smart idea to say on a podcast while we are playing it on Spotify. But anyway. I'm saving, what, $5 a month? That's money in my pocket. <laughs> I use the free one as well. It, well, you can use it, yeah, with some ads. However, yeah, well, I mean, it was, you know, song from Austria from last year, which actually got the most repetitive plays on my playlists. And this is also why it got stuck in my head because it you know there's this mix of kind of italo disco a little bit vibe from the 80s meeting modern production this is why i i'm you know i'm I'm a cheap pop kid still inside of the body of 30 years old yeah so that was your highlight it's my life highlight my absolute highlight was serbia in 2022 um i Never even watched that national final, but then it was announced and Constructa like had me from the very first listen. And when I watched the performance, like it was something we have never seen on the Eurovision stage before. And uh, I went through the lyrics, I went through the message. I love how artsy it is. I love how it is so like deep on a level, but at the same time, everyone can clap along to Bitti Strava. Like, yeah, that was just so sophisticated. I like that a lot. Meanwhile, my ears are still ringing from you screaming in the Pala Olimpico. <laughs> it sounded like someone was drowning a bag of cats. <laughs> like, I still have ear pain from, from that show. I apologize to the people next to us. <laughs> yeah, but not to me. <laughs> but you know what's the, what's the fun thing? It's um, the, whole, the whole situation with, with Constracta is like she really brought something else to the stage. And she wasn't trying to do any, you know, uh, formula of how to succeed at the Eurovision stage. We all know that, like, all the kind of Eurovision fandom kind of has a thing for Balkan ballads anyway, you know, for, for this specific Balkan sound. But um, <laughs> that's a good example. But um, Constructa somehow brought something new and got... She wasn't nominated, but she was... Uh, what was the thing? But, but Grammys, anyway. She was... She was considered for a considered Grammy Award. For, yeah. yeah. But, like, this is still a huge thing to do, you know? And also, we, we, we don't forget to mention the, the TikTok sensation from Armenia, which ended up in, what, 20th, 22nd place at the Eurovision? And it became viral. Snap is pretty much everywhere. It's on the radio here on my tiny island off the coast of Canada. And... I heard it, and it, it, it's amazing how it got here. This is what I call success. So you don't really have to win the whole contest, but I think it still gives you an amazing opportunity just to, you know, to launch your career. So I think my biggest highlight from Torino, aside from meeting the two of you for the first time in person, Aww. was, was uh, meeting Andrea from North Macedonia. 
and uh, having my giant North Macedonian flag on hand and getting a picture with her. Wow, yeah, that was incredible. I think maybe we even dedicate an entire podcast episode to our experience with the artists in Torino. Yeah, and what we got up to in Torino as well. That could that could fill a couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. If there's like five other people who's willing to listen to that, I think that's the biggest possible audience who we could wish for, yeah. you know, just to listen to our ranting from, from the Eurovision anyway. Yeah, it would be nice. So we will look into the future. National final season has already started. We will look at 2023. We will look back at 2022. We will, of course, look at some of the older years as well. But we're also open to your ideas, your suggestions. And you can also find us on Instagram. We're building on the line bridges on the line podcast. So hit us up there, follow us, send us a message, and we will keep you posted. We're always happy to receive your feedbacks, just in a way so we know what you want to listen and what you want to have in in your ears or wherever you are with us. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Where would they be? In their dicks? <laughs> I was gonna say. Like... Well, that's it for this inaugural episode of the Building Bridges Eurovision podcast. In our first full episode next time, we'll look back at the good, bad, and ugly from Eurovision 2022 in Turin. That's Turin for you Brits out there. We were all there, and uh, we might just have some interesting stories to spill about last Eurovision. So wherever you are, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you real soon. So ciao for now. Yeah.